This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For the latest episode of the Brighton Rock podcast, the podcast about the beautiful club within the beautiful game. And it's North London calling South London. Are you there, Peter? Just about, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, yes, Peter and I, Russell, will be with you for this episode where we are going to be covering the Newcastle game. Yes, we've got to talk about that, I suppose. Um, a bit of general football news if there's time. Peter, you might have to go at some point due to work, so uh, you might have to break off. We are hoping. I know, it's really, it's really actually quite terrible that, I, that my work gets in the way of this podcast, you know. It's, well, it's, it's simply not good enough, really. I'm looking forward to the day that, you know, we can be like the Anfield rap and be like... Uh... <laughs> It'd be, it'd, be the, it'd be work, but I think we're some way off that, sadly. Yes, yes, that's the dream, yeah. Um, we are hoping to be joined by Robin as well. He may be able to join us, a regular guest contributor, or fairly regular, but we haven't had him on for a while. Um, he might be joining us later if he can. So we'll see what we can get through. Um, the main thing, of course, is to talk about the Newcastle game. And there's a managerial merry-go-round, which I'll sum up one way or the other um, at the end of all this. So, um, yeah, the match, I mean, there's a one-all draw with Newcastle. Um, it's a game where, I mean, just going through the stats, 66% possession. I'm surprised it wasn't more, to be honest. 14 shots to six, five on target to their one. Um, they have more corners. Um, we could have seeded more fouls. That's the general stats from BBC, just looking at that randomly. Um, but that doesn't tell the whole story, really. This was a game for me, Peter, that we dominated to a ridiculous degree and then took our foot off the pedal, um, both in terms of one bit of defending and then in terms of trying to get the um, over the line to get that winner once we had conceded the equaliser. Um, what did you make of it, first of all, before I go I into my yeah, rant? A, a tale of <laughs> two halves, I suppose, or so, you know, a game of two halves or a game of one sixty minutes and one thirty minutes is probably more appropriate, I suppose, because yeah. even at the start of the second half, we dominated still and we had chances and we could have put, we should have really put the game to bed. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, we, we were pretty awful the last half hour. I felt as bad as I've seen us play for quite a while um well actually probably Burnley first half probably <laughs> yes um, there is that <laughs> yeah which is pretty pretty awful as well but yeah I, I it was just so frustrating having got such a we basically cancelled out all the benefit of getting that point to Anfield by we'd have been better off losing 4-0 at Anfield and winning 1-0 against Newcastle than we were than yeah. we are after today we are up yeah. now basically so yeah um, exactly yeah it's it was 
it was very much two points dropped. Newcastle were dreadful for most of the game. They showed a little bit of urgency when they went when when it was one all, and they could have obviously conceivably won it late on. But um, obviously, the, with the, the, the Sanchez sending off, but I, I, my my interest actually a lot of it came from the penalty because there's been a lot of complaints and Shearer moaning and that sort of thing. To me, it's an absolutely blatant penalty. I don't understand how what the complaints are about. He clearly yeah. caught him on the knee or on the leg. It was a clear foul. Whether or not the referee gives it to me, it was a clear and obvious error. I don't really... The fact that he took two minutes over, it doesn't hide the fact that it was a clear and obvious error. I don't understand why VAR took so long, yeah. to be honest. No, exactly. It clearly was I, a foul. I agree that it didn't need to take that long. If that element of his argument, fine. But his, uh, his use of that was to say that it wasn't clear and obvious enough for it yeah. to have taken that long. Well, if we're talking about that, then should we talk about the Sanchez sending off? Because that took the most of the same amount of time. So that shouldn't have been overturned either if, um, if it needs to take that long. Yeah. You know, if we're I, being I facetious about Wilson it. Wilson went down because he was going a bit too far wide. And maybe, you know, it, it wasn't mm. as simple as some people have said, I don't think. It was still... There was still work to do. It wasn't like he was like it was like straight in on goal, and there was no, no one yeah. got anywhere near it. Yeah. yeah, and we've seen we've seen people miss open goals before, so there's no guarantee. It was a harder chance argument than the one that Norwich missed, for example. Exactly, going to say that. Yeah, admittedly, if Wilson's that... a better player than Sargent, but I don't think yeah. it was quite the giving. And I don't think Sanchez caught him that well. I reckon he probably could have stayed in his feet if he wanted to, but for yeah. some reason chose to go down, and I, I still find that I quite mean, odd. It looks from some angles as if he hasn't caught him. You can sort of see the concept of it because what happens is you can see there's a faintest, definitely some kind of a touch. Um, yeah. it, from one angle, you can see that happens. And then what happens is it looks like he tries to move on for a second and then his right foot then clips his left foot and he goes over, which may have been a, a direct result of contact or it may have been partly engineered by the player. I I'm not sure. I do think in the end you've got to give that as a, as a red because... It was a it was a, a decent scoring opportunity is, yeah. in the making. Yeah, I'm not sure quite where Duffy was going to get to in terms of where Wilson touched the ball because the, the, the complication is Wilson touched the ball possibly slightly in more than he might have wanted to, but that could also have been a, as a consequence of the contact because he was being he, he was tripping himself up as it were at that point as things happened. We're, we're about to be joined by Robin as well, by the way, who's coming in. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit more detail. Just to go through the lineups. Um, so we had Sanchez in goal, of course, or at least we did at the beginning. Um, we had what seemed like a Veltman, Duffy, Duncan, Kukurea lineup at the back, possibly arguably with March as well, although he seemed to play further forward. We had Basuma, Lalana, Lamptey, and Wepu and Trossard. So once again, more pay was started at the beginning. This is what the third game in a row, including the League Cup, I think now. Yeah. Um, which Cup. is interesting. I mean, more pay did come on in the 65th minute for March. So, you know, he was available to play to some degree. Um, so it was interesting that um, he didn't start again. I think in some games, like Liverpool, um, it certainly worked well to have this force nine scenario. Um, in this game, in general, for this type of opposition, and in particular because the fact they scored, what is it, three goals in two games against them last season, it seemed obvious to bring more pay back in, unless there was a reason for it. But that yeah, seemed I, pretty I, frustrating. I agree. I think it becomes a more interesting decision when he he, he backs it up against Newcastle with another that makes it again. Because yeah. against Liverpool, I kind of thought, well, try something different, a way to, in a game we probably wouldn't get a result from, as we originally thought anyway, give us yeah. another option with um, other players not fit. Um, and maybe rest Mopay for the bigger game the next week if you've got more chance of winning. But now he's not included Mopay again. One makes you wonder if something's happened or mm. if he's just decided that Trossard's a better option or something. Yeah, I guess if someone's sort of under the weather but not particularly ill, 
those kind of scenarios. That's when you might put them on the bench. Still feels a bit sketchy though, doesn't it? Yeah, I, but, I, um, I think they probably it's it's not for something like that. They just said if it was something like that. I yeah, reckon. yeah. Um, so yeah, so we got Lamptey on the pitch, and he was playing effectively more advanced, wasn't he, in this game, it seems. Yeah. I mean, he's certainly been played. And he, he was the outlet where we really should have exploited things because he did well against Newcastle last year. He looks a good player. And he's he's um, he, he was the outlet where we did try to get him on the ball, but we didn't really make the most of it. And I think there's still something to say maybe for his final ball in some cases. But I think more of the case here, really, we didn't link up with him well enough in this game. Um, but um, anyway, it was his first start, to be fair, in, in yeah, the league so, in, in, in almost yeah. a year, so... Glad to see him get back into it. And Webb, who only had the first half, he was replaced by McAllister. Um, I don't know what the reasoning is for that. Whether yeah, that apparently he had... off at half time. I was, I was a... Yeah, that's what I've been hearing. Um, I don't think he was playing particularly well, to be honest, in this game. Uh, certainly not as well as other matches. But I don't know if that is because he was already carrying. Oh, the I, I, I thought he had a pretty decent half. I didn't think he didn't think this well, was solid. He was solid. Yeah, he was um, solid enough. Yeah. McAllister had, had a dreadful half, which I, you know, he kind of <laughs> made, yeah. it, made it hard. You know, kind of obviously made it the wrong decision. Maybe he should have put Mona exactly. on instead. Yeah. Well, we've got. Um, I mean, Robin is in the northeast, and um, he is. Um, he's joined us now as well. I can see him coming off mute. Um, somewhere, somewhere. I'm presuming. Are you in the northeast or are you in South Africa? No, no, moment? I'm in, you... in, in the northeast. It's absolutely oh, you're back home. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well, welcome back, Robin. Uh, great Thank to you. have you with us. I was going to say to see you, but your, your video's off. But great to hear you and, and to have you join us anyway. Um, so, um, did you get to see the game? We've just been I talking watched, I watched the game on the plane, thanks to the wonders of uh, oh. Wi-Fi in the sky. And oh, brilliant. <laughs> I actually had a better quality of stream than I normally do at home, which was <laughs> <laughs> very bizarre. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I, I did watch it, and it was, yeah, it was kind of shades of last season, wasn't it? In terms of offering much, well, seeming to offer much in the first half, and not quite being able to really put it to bed in the second half. And then, mm. yeah, one of those games where, in the end, with the you know the Wilson Sanchez incident, we were quite lucky to come away with a point in in some ways. Mm. Um, yeah. Which but would have been typical Albion, isn't it? To go away and get a, a draw against Liverpool and you don't expect it, and then to not get a win in the game where you would have a, a win penciled in. Yeah, we, we were saying I've actually cancelled more than cancelled out. You know, you'd be better off losing 4 0 at Anfield and winning 1 0 on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I suppose, I mean, I suppose they had, you might have covered it already, but they had the added incentive of obviously having Eddie Howe watching as the prospective new manager. So given that he hadn't been appointed at that point, it's not quite the same, but it is the kind of new manager bounce in a sense, isn't it? Mm. That you're trying to make an impression on the, on the new yeah. guy. I mean, he's our bogeyman as well, isn't he? And so even, yeah, even his yeah. mere presence is obviously <laughs> had the effect of um, doing us in again. It's so frustrating. But yeah, he's since been appointed as manager, of course. The good thing we're um, not going to get anything like that in the next game, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, obviously we've got the international break. Then we've got Villa away, who sacked their manager after the weekend, and um, consequently have just appointed today, as we record this on Thursday, uh, Stephen Gerrard, which I think is a good appointment for them, probably for him as well. Um, the good news is that Leeds are likely to, to sack Bielsa soon, and West Ham are definitely <laughs> likely to sack Moyes. So, 
<laughs> yeah, and then there's Ollie at uh, Man United as well, of course. Yes, yeah, there's that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's very frustrating. But as you said, Peter, with the, the, the point scale, it's better to have lost one than to have drawn two. And also, having already come off the back of the frustration of the Norwich game, I was particularly frustrated with this one because we were so dominant. And the difference with the Norwich game and the Newcastle game is we did get our noses in front quite early in the game. And yet we still didn't end up seeing the game yeah. out. Um, what some we've, people we've mentioned... We've played the bottom three now. I've been extremely lucky to get a win at Burnley when we were frankly dreadful yeah. in the first half and could have been about three down. And then, yeah. yeah, could easily have lost at Norwich and could easily have lost to Newcastle. So we've not definitely not solved our problem against the bottom yeah. sides that yet. Yeah, you know? I mean, what's disappointing, I don't know if you'd agree with this, Robin, but the, the game management seemed to have improved this season. We've been seeing games out. Um, not only have we done things that come from behind against Burnley, but we've seen out wins such as the Brentford game admittedly quite a late goal but we saw that result out we've seen our other matches we've come back from behind against uh, Liverpool but in this game it was comfortable we were in in the ascendancy yes they were sitting deep but that didn't matter because we'd scored so we just kept the ball passing around I didn't have a problem with the massive amount of passing and possession we were doing because it was a matter of tie them out they've got to come on us if they don't we you know we're happy with the with the win and the problem was that when we got into the second half, continuing along the same lines until roughly the hour, um, when that goal did go in, um, it came out of the blue. It was very easy to have defended. We should have defended it. I'm fuming with us for not having done so. And off the back of that, of course, which was in the 66th minute, um, we've suddenly now got a different scenario where we've now only got 25 minutes to try and win back the game that should have been won. Even to, even just as a 1-0, I, w- I would have been quite happy with that. A very comfortable 1-0. Um, I wouldn't have been comfortable in the stadium and, you know, the 85th minute and everything. But I, w- but I would have been comfortable with us just seeing it out and getting a 1-0 win. I would have been all right with that. Um, and I don't think there's any reason why we shouldn't have done. That's what's annoying. No, it was, I agree. It, the goal was so easy to defend, wasn't it? I mean, it came, it, we, we had players back. It was coming left-hand side. Ball gets crossed to the far side. Kukurea and someone else both go for the same ball. I think Duncan Duffy had one guy to mark in the middle. Cucurellia was the nearer guy as the cross went in, so he wasn't able to win the header. And it was nodded back across. And as it was nodded across, I was there watching this and thinking, there's two players having a picnic in the middle of the penalty area, completely unguarded at all. One of the centre-backs needs to clock that, probably dunk from what I could surmise. But McAllister was ambling around um, a few yards away, who should have sniffed that danger much earlier and should have closed in and, and cut it out. But um, uh, I mean, would you agree with that, Robin? And what's your yeah. thoughts on... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's that scenario is a useful reminder that we're not quite there or maybe we're not Mm. quite as there as the league position would suggest and that we've still got these moments of defensive kind of lapse of concentration in us. But I suppose Mm. that being said, most teams do at some point along the line. It was just annoying that it happened to, (laughs) you know, at that (laughs) that stage of the match. Um, What I would probably focus on is something slightly more big picture, which is Adam Lallana's inability to shoot. Oh, or shoot yeah. Accurately. Um, it's not that, obviously, there was there was the incident in that game, but it's not in isolation. There's been quite a lot of games this season and last season where he's been in a very good position. Um, the ball's been cut back to him. He's maybe 15, 18, 20 yards out from goal with no one really closing him down. And he's managed to either miss the target completely or a fairly kind of lame shot at the keeper. Well, and, and, yeah. Anfield, he had one of those where he should have done better and uh, it was straight at Alisson. It's yeah. bizarre because he's such a good player. Mm. And, you know, he's playing the deeper role for us this season and he's created 
you know, he's been a great player, but it, it seems an odd anomaly that, you know, he's he's been around at the top level, generally in a more attacking role than he's playing for us at the moment. And to be honest, I haven't looked at his career goal stats, um, but having watched him, you know, the last season and a half for us, it's, it seems an odd, it seems an anomaly that he doesn't have the, um, you know, the shooting accuracy that would go along with his reputation. Yeah, he's a technical player. I know friend of the show, Raymond, who you know as well, is, is a big, uh, is really big on this. The fact that he's just very frustrated with his lack of, um, of ability to hit the target because, you know, obviously not every shot that hits the target is going to go in, but we would have weighed in with a few more goals there, wouldn't we, if he'd, if he'd have done it. And um, this one was... by, you know, some that have just been, di- have disappeared into kind of rosette yeah, as well. And that's just not good enough, really, is it? I mean, once in a while... Oh, most, not... most goals he's got in a Premier League season looks like nine, according to Wikipedia. He's got like yeah. 11 at the Championship and 15 in League One, but yeah. you expect that. But he's got like nine and eight once another season. The other ones, <laughs> yeah. he's got like four and five. And and yeah, so he, he's obviously not a prolific scorer, but you'd expect better than I think he's got one goal in 18 months to see or something like yeah. that. Yeah, and it's bizarre because it's not even as if he, you know, he gets flustered under pressure because as we've seen, he's very comfortable taking the ball in you know, in tight spaces with players around him and making the right decision when it comes to a pass. So there's not that, it's not that you can say that. And also, as I mentioned, a lot of his opportunities he's had, he's almost had too much time because he's yeah, kind of hovered true. around the edge of the box and the ball has been cut back to him. And, you know, he's, he's not really yeah. been closed down for a few of them. So it's just, yeah, it's a bit of a bizarre one. Um, yeah. One goal in 42 for us, which is, yeah, you'd expect. Yeah, yeah I mean, the... the... The goal on Saturday was particularly frustrating because Newcastle was sitting deep. And this particular incident, if I recall, was the one where Robert Sanchez did a driven, um, I think it was a, a live action moment, and he drove the ball from a pass back all the way out to the yes. left to Kukurea. I think it was like a 60-yard ball, straight to feet, beautifully controlled. Kukurea made continued the attack, got it inside, and yeah, it fell to Lalana. And as, as you said, he had time to place it. And to not get it on target, it's just... I don't know if he's trying too hard to get it right in the corners, but he's, he's not getting anywhere near them, is he? No. And that was, it didn't have enough power on it either. You want at least to test the goalie, which he did at Norwich, to be fair. That was yeah, the one shot did. where it was a decent effort. Um, but but um, yeah, annoying because it's, those, it's those situations where, you know, if it's 2 0 at that point, it's very obvious, but it's a very different game, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, two exactly. minutes game over. There's no way Newcastle yeah. are going to come back from two 0 down. Yeah. That that felt like it should have been another three nil game. That's that's the way it yeah. felt. Newcastle yeah. to me didn't seem any any better than they did last season when we played them. I think the only that's... difference is they're more consistently bad this this season. Yeah, those stats that you you read out earlier, I think pretty much were, our ones were from the first sixty minutes. We didn't really have a shot in the last half hour that I can remember hardly. The only urgency we showed, ironically, was after Sanchez went off and we. We had a couple of attacks. We looked quite like we were actually trying to score rather than hold on. We looked yeah. more, That was a frustrating thing. We looked so lethargic, I thought, the last half hour. We didn't. Mm-hmm. We looked like the team who'd had to chase the ball around all game rather than the one who'd had all the possession and dominated everything. And, and the other team should have been tiring, really. Yeah, it yeah. was the classic game of you need a second. I know we often, Albion, always need a second. But this was really a game where we really needed a second goal. Yeah. Um, and it was, I'd say it was set up nicely. We were passing it around. We can take our time, let frustrate them. Either they get tired chasing the ball or they get frustrated and start kicking out and getting bookings. Then you can put on fresh legs and run at them and all that sort of stuff. But in that first half, I mean, you, I don't know if you watched the game 
back um, or whether it showed up on your stream, Robin. And uh, I mean, I watched the game live, watched it back later. And in the 38th minute of the game, they put a stat on the screen which said last five minutes, 96% possession mm -hmm. to their four. And I think it was 282 passes in this is a five minute spell. Um, according to this, I, I don't know. That must be uh, for the that whole sounds game, surely. Wrong. That I must think. be for the. Yeah, must be, yeah that's, that must be for the. That's like a pass minutes. every second, pretty much. But yeah, thirty. Yeah, thirty-eight minutes of passing. Maybe that's in the first thirty-eight minutes. Passes. That's that was. Yeah, that's what that is. Yeah, but the the, the the possession obviously was for the last five minutes. Yeah. Um. So you know we were totally dominating, and actually I, I watched it back and I counted. We had I think it was twenty-six passes. They briefly intercepted. We then had forty-nine passes, leading to a free kick. From, from which we took short and then had about another 18, I think it was. Then they briefly intercepted or gave it off for a throw-in, I think. And then we had another 26 passes, which is mad. I mean, you talk about Gus Boyer era. We're doing the same thing and more in the Premier League level, which in one sense, I, I love that. It's brilliant. Obviously, it's got to have a purpose. I think it did have a purpose because it was, it was just keeping them at bay. You know, if they haven't got the ball, they can't do anything with it. And they're not the sort of side that are threatening enough on the counter, I don't think. That there should have been a problem, and when they did score, it wasn't from a counter attack anyway. As Although the, the Sanchez incident was, because we gave it away, didn't we? And, yeah. yeah, but that's that because we're chasing minute. we're chasing the bloody win by this point, which we shouldn't have been. That's that's mm. the problem with that. Um, you can understand it if if they've frustrated us for the whole game, we've bombarded them and couldn't get through, uh, and then they do that Callum Wilson scenario. You think, okay, that is what it is. But the fact we we were in the position yeah. and we didn't game manage it well enough. Is really disappointing, but uh, yeah, some mad stats there, um, admittedly. And um, I mean, the other the other stuff that's um, that was kind of really frustrating with me uh, for me was uh, yeah, just the way we seem to lose our impetus as well in that final stage, which you've alluded to already, Peter. It's um, it's very frustrating. We just like blame the team who are one up and were taking the keeping the ball rather than the team who are one up yeah. and trying to beat the bottom team. Yeah. yeah, and I think you're right. I mean, McAllister had a really poor half. Yeah, um, he did, didn't he? A lot of the situations where he ended up under pressure, he seemed to just give the ball away um, mm. fairly aimlessly. Um, I mean, it's is it worth talking about Sanchez? Because mm. I'm, yeah, reticent, but, I'm reticent yeah. to say anything overtly negative about him, but there are there been in, there seems to be a few moments creeping in where I'm not sure if it's he's whether it's overconfidence or whatever it might be. We've had the moment at Norwich, obviously, where he came out and totally missed the ball. You've had the, the Liverpool instance with the disallowed goal where he was quite lucky mm. to get away with it. Although, in fairness, I think that was a terrible back pass from Dundee. Yeah, it was a, mm. dreadful. It, uh, I mean, it, it, I, Sanchez didn't handle it well, but I would put more blame on Dunk there because he had more options with that one than Sanchez. Get rid of it. But he mm. seems to, I mean, he's, seemed to have literally dropped the ball a few times as well. And I'm not sure if there's elements of that potentially coming in because it's bizarre because you've got these moments where he plays those passes like he played at Liverpool and like the one Russ mentioned a yeah. few minutes ago where you know that I doubt you know if Edison plays that pass he's going to be quite happy with it so you've got these kind of sublime moments um yeah. of passing like that you've got lots of other moments where he looks amazingly comfortable under pressure yeah. and under the high ball but I suppose it's he's a work in progress still isn't he yes and he, I mean there were there are going to be times. I mean, Burnley away had an awful first half hour or so. He dropped about yeah. three, two or three and was quite yeah. lucky to get away with them. Yeah, City obviously the first goal, although I still think that could have been given as a foul. I but, think so. But, you know, he, he probably yeah. should have been stronger with it. And then, yeah, the kicking's been really erratic recently. Generally, he's given it away. 
quite a few times. And the problem is the way we play is so kind of tight sometimes that, you know, it doesn't take much to give it away, a slightly poor pass or whatever, just one slight error. And, you know, I mean, a lot of teams don't take advantage of that, you know, teams like Norwich and Newcastle, but teams like Liverpool and City do. Yeah. We were slightly fortunate at Liverpool, although it yeah, was Yeah, I think Liverpool. probably the, the top line summary is it's probably, it's a bit of a, the last couple of weeks have been a bit more of a reality check, haven't they? Yeah. Which is probably useful, actually, because, you know, with the best will in the world, I don't think we're probably going to be finishing seventh or sixth when it comes to the end of the season. So it's probably useful that collectively there's a bit of a recognition mm-hmm. that we're not, you know, we might have had a very good start to the season. And, you know, I'm not suggesting that we're going to suddenly plummet and be in a relegation battle, but I do think it's probably useful to to remember that we're not quite the, the finished article that some of the early results would suggest. We still need a striker, don't we? I mean, yeah, yeah. That's, we've that's literally it. been saying it for four and a half, four and a half years. In the yeah, and it, really. and it's bizarre because it's one of those things where you think you're, you know, you're reticent to really put it down to just one thing, but actually in a lot of instances, it really is. You think, yeah. so there's so many games where you're basically a younger, like a young Glenn Murray, essentially there's a lot of games where we would have you know the board you know the game is put to bed so i mean january january transfer window isn't that far isn't that far away so we'll have You're to already see. talking about recalling players as well that whether i know matoma's got a japan, a japan call up now so whether he'd now be qualified for a work permit or yeah there's, there's rumors that i mean i suppose zakir is the obvious one as well he's had a few games in the bundesliga if we don't want to spend money on a striker at least yeah. I think it'd be a better option than Connolly or Lacardia, which isn't Absolutely. tough. Yeah, um, I agree. I agree with all of that. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I suppose the old, the other thing, uh, the 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 silver lining is we didn't lose that game, which you know in other mm. seasons we would have done. Mm. Obviously, yeah. you know, we were slightly lucky with Sanchez's. Well, you know, it's I don't know. I I don't know exactly how I feel about that because it was fairly minimal contact, but it was, it's, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and it was we were saying earlier, I, I, I'm not convinced Wilson needed to go down, and it's, it's, it was an odd he thing to do. Himself, he... It was his his one his he actually tripped himself over. If you hmm. if you, the contact from the very minimal contact from Sanchez actually caused him to actually trip himself over. Yeah, fair, I think. Um, hmm. But it's I don't know. It's very difficult. But I think yeah. I mean, I think it, that that is a game that we would have potentially lost in a different mm. season. So mm. we take the point and we... Well, we said I have only lost two games all season in the league. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty decent. Yeah, and, we're, and we're unbeaten away going yeah. into the next match. So there's that too, which, um, you know, a lot of, lot of clubs will be... I can't stand that confident that. with stealing goal at Villa. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, yes. I mean, yeah. Do we not go for the, the Dutch lad? I mean, I oh, don't yeah, Steals play all the League Cup games, so you've got to assume that he's second choice, I suppose. Yeah, so you, I agree. Got... I don't know why we signed Sherp and if we're not going to give him a go. He's hmm. the tallest player in Premier League history, isn't he? He's enormous. Yeah, I've, I've watched him walk past in the North Stand a couple of weeks ago, and he, I mean, he's six foot eight, isn't he? I think it yeah, is. Like... Um, but he he looks taller than six foot eight as well. He look, he looked about seven foot. You could just imagine <laughs> it, can't this you? This guy's enormous. Saying him and Dan Byrne in, in the same game and then conceding <laughs> from corners constantly. Just, yeah, just stand them in the goal dread, for the whole, be, whole match. He'll be dreadful <laughs> claiming high balls. Won't yeah. <laughs> just line up our our defence and the goalie in the goal for the entire game. Probably be able to just cover it. I reckon so. if you do Lamptey at the other end, we can do Russian dolls, can't we? <laughs> Oh, that would be brilliant. I honestly think sometimes the counter-attacks, you should put Lamptey as the centre-forward on the halfway line, because boom, off he goes. I've been the same thing, yeah. 
where he was the only like the commentator said on my stream that sometimes Lamptey's actually too quick for himself. Like he's too yeah. quick because he he's ahead of the play. Person yeah. in the half with no option. Yeah. We, we we were saying exactly what you're saying, Russell, Liverpool and on the Saturday as well. Because if you stick him up front, they've got to leave at least two players back with him. Exactly. Because they don't. It's, it's a form of defence, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. He actually he's so quick. If you leave him on the halfway line, then you've literally got straight away got an outlet. Um, and they've got to say, yeah, leave at least two players, maybe three back because of his pace. And probably a couple of their maybe more attacking players as well because of the pace-wise. There's no point leaving a, maybe their, well, I, mean, I suppose they're full-backs, but they've got to leave someone back who's actually quite quick as well. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I, I agree with what you said about, I think we're going to have a good season. I do think that the, the start will help us. I mean, we've dropped to seventh at the moment. We've got 17 points. We are nine points clear of relegation if we're going into that, really. And that's Burnley, who are not looking pretty at all. I know they've got a draw at Chelsea, but um, that's a good result. But they're, they're not looking great. Um, I don't really see us seriously getting into any problems there. There's a number of teams between us at the bottom as well. So if those bottom three gain points, who are they gaining them against? You know, as, as long as um, as long as we can avoid defeat in those games, and we, you know, we've beaten Burnley, drawn with Norwich and Newcastle, um, Watford, obviously as well. If we avoid defeat at Villa, you know, that's the bottom spot of five we're talking about there already. Um, I don't see that really being a, a conversation, though. To be honest, I think we'll be somewhere mid-table is my guess. I'm going to say tenth. Um, as my prediction at this stage, but I think that, yeah, that would, I think we've, January. I think we've got work to do for that, though, as well. Yeah, I think, I think to be honest, I've anywhere between I think what we said last year, anywhere kind of the tenth, tenth to thirteenth, you know, yeah. kind of range. Yeah, we, absolutely fine, Robin. We've not had you on for a while, so just I'm going to ask you. Actually, I mean, my ambitions for this season are to finish higher than last season, preferably now that we've had a good start. I'm saying now top ten would be the ambition, um, to go on a decent cup run in the FA Cup, whatever that means. I'm thinking fifth round at least, maybe quarters, obviously better if we can. And to try and beat either Man United away or Chelsea in general, which is two of the nuts we haven't cracked, or Everton away, actually. Um, if we can get some of that done, um, I'd be pretty happy with my with the season. How is it for you? What, what are you looking for? Yeah, the season, absolutely. Really, Just to not be, not be in a relegation battle. Um, yeah. And I think the benefit of not being in a relegation battle is that you can actually potentially try out a few combinations. You can actually plan a bit yeah. better for the yeah. following season without having to worry about maybe sticking in other players or, you know, changing up the team because you're worried that it's going to, you know, have a negative impact. Yeah. I also think in January, if we're not looking like we're going to go down, the benefit of maybe being able to sign that exactly. striker if we... Yeah. You know, you get a better quality of striker if you're not looking like you're going to be struggling that season. It's, yeah. it's the opposite of the Newcastle scenario, isn't it? Yeah. Because they're going to really struggle to get yeah. top-level players. I mean, if we beat Villa, which is perfectly feasible in our next game, we're seven ahead of them. We go ten ahead of them. We'll be on 20 points. We're over halfway to safety in terms of, you know, with, with more time to go until January anyway. But pretty reasonable to assume we could get ourselves onto something like 25, 26, or upper 20s uh, points total by the time the, the transfer window opens. As Peter said, that kind of you know that is an incentive maybe more for clubs to join us, given the the style of football we play as well, and the praise we're getting from the media in general, which does help, uh, I think, raise the profile of our good football. Um, I think that would that would certainly help, wouldn't it? And and particularly as a striker, if you're a striker looking at us last season, you could understand why people might be more reticent to join us this season because we're having a greater degree of success, probably even better attacking football. We are more of an appeal, aren't we, for potentially for... I think so. Well, 
mid-range Premier League strikers, I mean, whatever you want sure, to do. The other thing to say is that if you're is that you're going to come in and there's not an there's not a great deal of competition, is there? So you've got to mm. back if you're coming in as a, a, a striker being signed, you've got to back yourself to be the first choice and be getting a, a fair amount of games. Yeah, if Villa wanted to get another a striker, for example, now. Um, the strikers are going, well, you've got Watkins there, you've got other players that are pushing for a place as well. Um, you know, any other clubs like that, even um, even if you look at Palace, you know, if they've got about three or four strikers there, would a striker get ahead of them? They've got to back themselves, of course, but you've got to be realistic and think, well, you know, there's other there's other people in line there. When you look at Brighton, you think, well, who who's up front there? Everyone knows Morpé, and then beyond that, they're That's thinking, it. well, there's, there's really other... going to be you're going to yeah. be competing with Morpé and well and Trossard for the the slightly mm. bizarre role, aren't we? But yeah, 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 and well, based on the occasions he's actually fit. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, that's that's it pretty much in the game. I haven't got many more points to make myself other than to mention Lalana got a fourth booking. So him, uh, Duffy, and remind me, who's the other one? Um, Hasn't Sanchez got four? San- oh, Sanchez might have as well. Yeah, possibly. Three. They mentioned that yeah. on the comment as well, that as a, it's quite rare for oh, a goalkeeper right. to have picked up. I think I think he might have four. I think I he's he might have two, but there's a straight red, wasn't it, at the weekend? So it wasn't... Oh, uh, yeah, potentially. But Veltman's yeah, definitely the other one who's got four. Velman, that's it. Yeah, Velman's been, he's a cool head, isn't he? He's managed to ride through quite a few games without picking it up, which is... Although he did get also, four in the he, first place. Yeah, yeah he's, exactly. the, he is, he's the master of the tactical foul, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's going to have to temper that now. He's caught out of possession and he hasn't got the pace to keep up. He is yeah. the master of the, the tactical foul. Yeah. With with Burn injured and a couple of other players like Welbeck out as well, what we don't really want at this stage is for all three of those players to get booked yeah. at Villa Park because <laughs> that's going to be a disaster. Will be back by, by after international break. There was talk he was actually coming through back earlier and might even have made Saturday. So yeah, yeah he'll right. be back after internationals. And he got Webster back as well. Well, should be yeah. fully back by then, shouldn't he? So we should be should be fine. And it'll only be one game as well. It's not like yeah. it's a, a long ban or something. Yeah. Um, final, final word on on Newcastle or Desportivo FC, as I've been calling them. Um, a man of the match for us in that match, would you go? I'm, I'm kind of inclined to go with Trossard because he did win and then score the penalty. I thought he had a good game in general. Um, Lamptey did pretty well, I think, and some others Kukur- were, were okay. But who was Kukurea? Yeah, was decent as well. I'd go with Trossard as well. Mm. Yeah. Peter? Yeah, same. Yeah. Okay, Trossard it is. Right, lovely. Um Speaking of Desportivo, so I'm gonna, I'll stop with that soon. Um, footy news in general. I mean, Emery, of course, was since our last episode had, had got rumoured to be involved and then um, subsequently seemed to be signing and then <laughs> turned them down, which was infinitely amusing. Um, then, of course, uh, Eddie Howe came into the equation. We've already mentioned the Eddie Howe curse with his presence at the game on Saturday. That, of course, has now been confirmed. He's on a, a long deal. He is moving up to the area with his family. I think probably circumstances have changed since the days when he was clearly a homeboy, so to speak. Um, I think he's willing for having a, a change of scenery. Although so, they just... can, they, he's taken the Emery clause that Emery didn't want, which is that what, they what? can... So Emery was going to take the job, but then Newcastle wanted to put a clause in that said that they could sack him for nothing at the end of the season if they went down. Oh, right, OK. Fair and enough. apparently Eddie Howe has accepted that. Yeah, well, that's interesting. That maybe says something about the measure of the managerial targets that they had, one to the other there. Um, 
Yeah, interesting. I mean, I think it's a good it's a good job to go for if you take out all the politics of it. You know, just in terms of a decent sized club who's now got a lot of investment coming in, but, it's obviously an attraction. Although I will say, it, their big problems are in defence, and that isn't yeah. necessarily Not where yeah. Eddie mm. was particularly strong. The other interesting dynamic is that you've got to feel for Ryan Fraser, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course, who obviously <laughs> have to. Well, well, no, we don't have to, but we're, we're going to put ourselves in his shoes for the moment. We obviously, you know, wound his contract down at Bournemouth, kind of down tools when they were really on the verge <laughs> of going down. So you don't imagine that's going to be a particularly happy reunion. Friendly reunion, yeah. <laughs> between the two of them. But... Maybe Matt Ritchie might be more pleasant, I don't know, because he, he served him well, didn't he, for and quite Wilson a while. And Wilson as well. If it's like yeah, Wilson. his old Bournemouth team there, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. The, um, the interesting... <laughs> He'll be signing Simon Francis in January, I presume, to <laughs> in at right back. But yeah. it, it, it's interesting because, I mean, ironically, I think Newcastle, probably if they did go down, probably couldn't find someone better to, to take them back up again than Howe. The question for me is, if he has a couple of seasons and builds them up to mid-table, will they then decide that they're too big for him and decide hmm. to sack him, which I think could easily well, happen? I think you're right, because I think if you're looking at the calibre of player that they're, that they're obviously wanting to sign... Are you gonna? He hasn't got the experience of managing truly world class yeah. players. So is that enough? Of, I mean, is the is the money? If you're if you're a world class player, is the pull of simply being paid a lot of money going to be enough to come? Do you actually want to come and work for? Does the manager make a difference in this scenario when you're a super rich club? I think it probably does because mm. if you're looking at that that level, realistically, it sounds bizarre, but you're going to have you're probably going to have the option of going to Man City or going to Newcastle in, in some of these scenarios. And obviously Pep's not going to be there forever, but they're obviously, mm. Newcastle are going to replace Pep with, a, with another probably truly world-class manager. So, mm. yeah, I think he's not yeah. going to be there for the long term. He's there it's to a... stabilise them, isn't he, basically? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's it'll be interesting to see what they do in January. I wonder if they'll go for one big name, you know, and kind of like one truly big name, you know, player that someone like Cruz, who's maybe passed his best a bit, but still will be kind of a big name in football, but then focus on like the English players, like they're talking about Tarkowski, Lingard, that sort of player. And I think... They're interested you know, in Trippier, apparently, players. as well. Yeah, Trippier. I mean, yeah. the, the big signing that they keep talking about up here is Coutinho. Right. That's apparently <laughs> the big, that's yeah. the big signing they're asking. And apparently mm. he wants to have it's a big risk because Coutinho's done nothing since he's been at Barcelona, really. Yeah, hmm. it'll be interesting. I mean, the, the thing for me is, I'm I wouldn't say concerned because I'm I'm quite happy for them to fail, but uh, I'm, my concern for them, if I was a Newcastle fan, is I don't think there's really clear thinking here. Yeah, there's not a very obvious strategy philosophy mm. in place. What you should be doing, first of all, even before you sign a manager is to get a director of football in, because I think a club of that size with the aspirations it has needs to have a director yeah. of football. That's the way forward now. Get somebody of seriously good quality, a Monchi at Sevilla, that type of person. They talked about Ralph Ranić and a few others. Nothing I've heard at all. I don't know if you've no, heard anything locally. Um, up, well, up the, the word is they want to go for Michael Edwards, who's leaving Liverpool at the end of the season. Oh, yeah. yeah. Who's apparently highly rated, although how much of that... Of course, case, wouldn't help know, them but... till, till the end of the season when they might yeah, want yeah. down. Exactly. I mean, yeah. You're right. I mean, Coutinho's... But that's what you need to start with. You need to start yeah. with that first. Then you've got a manager that fits. Why, you know, Emery and a few of these other managers obviously didn't mm. want to go because they suddenly thought it is at the moment, it is all about the money. There's no, yeah. 
you know, there's no kind of yeah. structure there behind it. I mean, they apparently went for, there was a list of other managers. They, they tried to, I think they tried to get Xavi as well. There's, Fonseca, been, wasn't it? Too? Yeah, Fonseca, they tried to mm. get Xavi. Um, Favre as well, who obviously turned down Palace. Mm. There's a few that they, they've tried to go through. And that in itself, that shows that if you're basically, that's a scattergun approach of basically mm. going for managers that are big names, but they don't yeah. necessarily share the same, you know, philosophy or approach to the yeah. game. And that's what you need. I mean, this is the criticism that's going on at Barcelona at the moment. It's been going on with other clubs. The Roma is, uh, there's a lot of fuss going on at Roma with Mourinho's kind of, uh, he's not, not only doesn't have a project, as they call it, working well, but everything's coming off the rails very quickly. You have to have the right, everything's got to work together. We've seen how the Albion have worked and it takes a lot of time and careful planning for a club like us to build up to what we're trying to do. Newcastle will have greater facility, but they still need to have a, a clear philosophy. Yeah. Director of football, get a coach in that's going to fit that style so they can work con- conducively together. And then beyond that, you've then got to get the right signings in. So talking about yeah. signings now. At your point, buying Dembele and or who yeah. from Barcelona been linked with Coutinho, etc. Yeah. And ending up with, with Kieran Clark and uh, Lascelles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I... I think they what they're trying to do now is they thought, right, we haven't got Emery, we haven't got a couple of the people we want. What we'll do is we'll get Howe in. Howe's like a know-how, a know-how kind of guy, so to speak, sorry. Uh, and then he, he will work for this season, maybe next season if necessary, particularly, um, you know, particularly if things are still a struggle, to just keep things above water while they plan the next stage. Maybe that's their philosophy at this Might point. Be. But def- definitely Howe's not a long-term it, It's very thing, bizarre it? because you want to, like you say, you, you want to create a situation where you mm. can almost you can almost interchange who the manager is without too much upheaval mm. to an extent. Yeah. Yeah. Because you want to have so, this, you know exactly, like you know, like we know that if Graham Potter was to leave, we know the type of manager that the Albion would be targeting. It would be someone yeah. probably slightly younger, um, perhaps from a different league, but who would be playing the same kind of football. We know exactly we're not going to go, having moved from Hewton to Potter, we're not going to do a sudden, mm. you know, about turn and go in a different direction. Yeah, we'll be, look- we'll be looking at Hildmund, the Danish coach, or somebody like that, or some of the better coaches working in club football in Europe. Yeah. Later yeah. down the line, we might think of a Russell Martin as a possible later option, seeing how his career develops because of the style of football and the local connections. Um, but yeah, you, there's a certain type, isn't there? So he, the the irony definitely... is that how in his one real relegation battle that, 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 New, that Bournemouth had failed, I mean, yeah, no there were injuries, there were problems, but he was like he kept them quite comfortable mid-table until that last season, and then that one season they went down. So he's not really successfully fought relegation in a sense. I mean, yes, he no. kept Bournemouth higher up, but then he maybe people would say he could have done depending with the resources they had. But he's not actually successfully avoided relegation in a sense of in being in a real battle. And their defence, mm. like we said a few minutes ago, their defence was never was great. Poor. Their success no. was largely based yeah. on the fact that they. Not they they weren't gung ho, but they you know they had a very positive attacking mentality, yeah. and it worked. If we look at Newcastle, their the glaring thing is their defence is dreadful. Yeah, it's ironically if they got someone like maybe Allardyce is past it now, but someone like him or even kept Bruce for the season somehow. Obviously, it wouldn't have worked with supporters and giving him a few better players defensively. He'd probably been the ideal person to actually keep them up, and then they could think again rather yeah. than. Yeah. It is. I think I mean, it's a. I mean, he was clear. They clearly wanted to come in and and change the manager. But actually, is it a statement appointment? 
I'd argue they've not really improved. They've no. not really gone. You know, they've not gone from sacking Steve Bruce to bringing in Zidane. Hmm. You know, they've gone yeah. from sacking one mediocre manager to bringing in a mediocre, a slightly better manager, but still not amazing. Yeah. yeah. I guess everyone, both in terms of within and without the club fans as well, um, just want them to survive this year from their point of view. That's got to be the only objective. Looking at it, I mean, they need 31 points, I would say, minimum from 27 games. More than point a game, obviously, that now uh, is the case because of having dropped points earlier on. Um, it's doable. It's, it's distinctly doable, but it's distinctly easy to see them failing to do it as well, depending on January. The big thing's going to be exactly what they do in January and who they bring in and whether they do have a, you know, that scattergun approach and pick players who they've already got quite decent options in. You know, they don't need a striker. They've got Wilson, maybe a decent backup option, you know, to, to compete with him, whatever. But Wilson's a more than adequate striker for the bottom half of the Premier League. Sam Maximum when fit is a more than adequate, you know, wide player. But what they need, as we say, is defence. And if they don't go out and buy the likes of maybe Tarkowski or Trippier or something like that, if they can get those players in, then they probably will stay up because mm-hmm. they are significantly better than the... I know Tarkowski's in the bottom three currently, but he's a lot better than most players are in the bottom five or six. But if they don't, and they just go and buy attacking players because they, they get carried away, then frankly, they're... I mean, we did that the first season in Championship after the Amex. We got some money suddenly, and we spent on the likes of Mikhail Smith and, and Buckley, when actually our defence was pretty dodgy. We ended up with still with Painter and Calderon at fullback at the, to the start of the season, and Anchor Grid in goal. You know, it's kind of like we got a bit carried away, I think. I mean, similar what, sort of thing could happen at Newcastle. We'll probably ask this later in the season as well, to be fair, after the January window. But at this stage, do you think they're going to survive? Because I, looking at the table, I'm, I'm not sure they will. I really but, hope I mean, they don't. I can't see who they're going to catch up because they, they're five points adrift. Probably you'd say goal differences. Watford maybe, and you've got Norwich presuming stay down. But if, you, if they sign Tarkovsky, maybe that screws Bernie up a little bit as well. Beyond that, I can't see who else. Then you've got Villa. I, I think, think, I think it's only to. Watford probably. Villa will pull away. Yeah. Leeds will pull Brentford, away. Unfortunately, are getting sucked down a bit, but I think they'll still be fine. Leeds probably will be fine, to be honest, although it'd be great if they struggle. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's going yeah, to be tough. Two of Newcastle, Burnley and Leeds going down would be a, a win-win anyway, wouldn't it? Really? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, there's a few other bits to discuss. We're going to have a, a quick break and then a quick second part. I don't know if uh, you guys are able to hang on. Uh, both uh, of Ten minutes or so, probably. Excellent. Great. So we'll just, uh, we'll just pause there. Back in just a second. So back with part two then, we were talking about Newcastle and the Newcastle managerial scenario as well that's gone on over the last week or so. Um, That isn't the only managerial scenario though, is it? Because Dean Smith has gone since our last episode. Um, Lots of speculation about who was going to come in. Um, Essentially, it seemed to be coming down to Roberto Martinez and Steven Gerrard as the shortlist. And today, Thursday, uh, Stephen Gerrard has been appointed on a deal. I think it's a three and a half year deal. I forgot to check that. Um, so good. He's here in time for the new manager bounce against us. Wonderful. Just what we needed. <laughs> um, in terms of the appointment, I think I think it's a good one for Gerrard. I think it's probably a good one for Villa. It's quite a good match. Obviously, it can be seen as a stepping stone to Liverpool in a lot of people's eyes, but that's for another day anyway. Even And that's only if it works. Um, what do you make of the appointment, guys? Um, Peter? Yeah, probably decent appointment. Um, he's probably earned the right for a Premier League move from 
Rangers. I'm sure Rangers fans will be pretty pissed off that, you know, any Premier League move probably is a bigger move than Rangers, not because they're bigger clubs, but because it's a chance to test yourself in a much more high profile and testing league. And I think Villa's probably a good one to go to. I, th- I think that's a better move than going to Newcastle for someone like mm-hmm. Gerard or Howe, because actually, you know, you can build with them rather than just being probably thrown out when, you know, things improve a bit. So yeah, I think, you know he's got quite decent players to work with. They've not quite clicked without Grealish, and I think maybe with Smith it become a bit stale slightly as well after yeah. a certain amount of time. And they gave they gave Smith time, didn't they? Which I know this yeah. that was in the Championship initially, but maybe they won't get as much time in the Premier League. But they, you know, the recent history is they've given a manager time there, and it's only off the back of a five yeah. straight defeat that he's got the got the boot. And um, defensive yeah. problems. I wonder if he might try and sign Goldson for uh, for them. Yeah, yeah maybe. Out of contract in the summer, Did they? even more yeah, so. Because oh. so yeah, yeah, so I think they could probably get. There's probably some value there in in January to potentially get him. I think the other thing is it's the it's Christian Persler, isn't it? Who was at Liverpool? Who was the yeah. chief? He's now the chief executive at Villa. Who was at Liverpool during the latter stages that Jared was there? So that that would probably buy him a bit more, yeah. <laughs> a bit more time anyway if things were to go wrong. I mean, I think if you look at if you look at what he's done at Rangers, he, he there's almost nothing more that he could achieve there mm. because the main thing to do was to win was to stop Celtic winning ten in a row, and you yeah. know to win to win the first title since that you know they came all the way back up. So if you look beyond that, what would actually be success for him at Rangers? It's basically the only thing that he could do would be to stay there forever and build a dynasty. Which he, you know, just he isn't going to do. So, in a sense, whether he leaves now or whether he leaves in two or three years' time, I don't think it really makes much difference because the one thing he needed to do was to win to win a title. I suppose so, the only thing he could have done was get to the Champions League. That would have been yeah. the one, the group stages, which he failed to do this year. Um, but yeah, I agree. I, I'm not sure having stopped range, having, and also I think it had to, he may have seen the Celtic. It, it, I think, wonder if Gerard maybe overachieved in the sense that you know obviously he was the one who won it for Rangers blah 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 but Celtic were dreadful last yeah, year I mean woeful season in you, all yeah sorts. you wonder if anyone I mean you know could have turned up and won it for Rangers just by being there last season it, it's not to under, undermine what he did but Celtic was so dreadful yeah but that's probably really what won the league for Rangers more than any managerial genius that Gerard Gerard had yeah agreed yeah um, is, um, I mean, I think it's it a is. good move. It's a good stepping stone, isn't it? Really? Yeah, I think so. It's a big and, move um, for him because if he if he does well here, if you say anyone, you know, other teams with his name and you know in the game. But on the other hand, you look at Lampard now after he failed. I know Chelsea's obviously that step up, but you know his first job in Premier League, and he's now being linked possibly with Norwich, who probably will go down this season. And you know, so it'll be a you know it's a risky one in a sense. But yeah, I see Dean Smith is being linked with Norwich as well, fairly strong. I think that's a good that's a good match. I think. Personally. Yeah, I think he could Smith do all right. Got, um, got Villa up. I still think hmm. Norwich sacking Farker after he finally won a game in the. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah. Certain irony. Well, he, I know they don't yeah. to do it anyway, but <laughs> it doesn't look good, does it, when that happens? Yeah. And um, you can imagine how Neil... sorry, but they could have left him till the next morning, couldn't they, to celebrate his first the first win in the Premier League, and then be out gone. Actually, mate, you're sacked rather than do it on and the actual he did it. You wonder if they told him before the game. But they said not. They said he didn't want to mm. disrupt the preparation. Yeah, his his post match, they showed it, and it didn't look like he had a clue. To be honest, his his way of reacting to the win was different to how it would have been. I think if he was aware, even even if he was oh, faking it, it, there wasn't. 
Yeah, it's a bit rough. And then on the other hand, you've got Neil Warnock continuing the managerial merry-go-round, got sacked. Um, that He knew he was going to get sacked, apparently, about three weeks ago. They'd alluded to the fact they were looking for a new manager. Yeah. He carried on very professionally working, fair play to him. And he was told on the day of the game, before the match, I think it was, or the, day, or the night before, that he was going to, that was going to be his last match, which of course was the one after he'd broken the, yeah, and I think the, the record for managerial. It's, it's interesting situation because I think he very much came in, he came in as a care, not a care, well, a caretaker, but not in the traditional sense of the word. He came in mm. to stabilize them when they looked like they might go down. Um, and I think he's still, he's still been living in Cornwall, basically. He's not been living up there full time. Long old trek, that. So Convenient. So I think he was not going to be there for the long term. Hmm. Um, I think yeah. it might have been different if they were running away with the, you know, if they were in a genuine hmm. look that they might be going up. But obviously they've been on the lookout for someone to become available and actually come and do the job on a longer term basis. Yeah. And obviously when Chris Wilder became, well, obviously he's been available for a, for a while, but he probably wanted a bit of time off, I'd imagine. <laughs> Um, after United job, so I understand. I mean, he's as much as he's a bit of a pantomime villain. He's clearly, he's clearly got a bit of integrity about him, hasn't he? To do the job yeah. properly and to, yeah. um, you know, make sure that he left the club in the best possible position that he could. That's an interesting yeah, one, the Wilder appointment, because I think from Middlesbrough's point of view, I think it's a really good appointment. From Wilder's yeah. point of view, it's a sign of how much his stock has dropped over the last year and a bit or whatever, because I mean, he, he, you were thinking probably a mid-table Premier League side might go for him. Someone, yeah. you know, but look at Hewton. It's the same with Hewton, yeah. isn't it? He's seen as a player, as a manager who can get teams up, and then that seems to be just an isolated but then he, role. He did really well the first not... season, obviously, didn't he? And he was living mm. with some quite decent-sized clubs at that point. I think there was talk of... Yeah. And now Middlesbrough, I mean, I, I don't think Middlesbrough, I know obviously he might say he, he can get them somewhere, but they're not really going anywhere. They're mid-table championship now, properly mid-table. And I feel yeah. really sorry for them. Yeah, it's the interesting thing, because it seems to go with Steve Gibson, it seems to go in peaks and troughs where he not loses interest, but he doesn't put in as much money as he does in other years. So you think when they when they went up ahead of us, that, that was for the last kind of 18 months before that, he'd really kind of gone for it. And that was the first time in a while that he'd really put in, you know, the levels of investment required. And now we seem to be in another bit where he's not necessarily putting so much money in. What was interesting is Neil Warnock in the, paper, in the press up here was saying, as much as he said he sort of understood that they wanted to, you know, take the club in a different direction and they wanted someone for the long term. He said, you know, if I'd been given two or three more players in the, in the, in the summer window, I think we might have done something this year. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, they weren't to see. far off the playoffs last season, weren't no, they? No, no, they weren't. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how much investment. You, you'd imagine Wilder's get. been promised money. I mean, he, he needed he must to have get done. his next job right, didn't he? And I'd, say, I'd be surprised if he's gone there to be mid-table. But then the odd thing is, is then why didn't he give that money to Neil Warnock mm. in the summer? If he said, yeah. you know, the here are two or three players that I think would really improve us. That's why it's, yeah. it's a slightly bizarre one, strategy-wise. Yeah. Maybe he wanted a long-term appointment to get in and get his players in when it happens, yeah. you know. They, they'll be mid-table this year and then they can build, maybe have a decent January and get a few more players in, push up a bit, and then it was an idea of really giving it a push next season. But, yeah, I agree. It's a bit odd why they didn't just replace him in the summer if they were that interested. What, what's, what's, the, what's the vibe, Robin, in terms of fact? Because you're in the northeast, and I think you're yeah, kind of bordering very, the Middlesbrough kind of territory, yeah. aren't you? You know, they've gone back to, hmm. I don't think their crowds are amazing this year again. They're very fickle unbelievably mm. fickle um, <laughs> so yeah I mean I think they 
yeah, I, mean, I think the interesting thing was that Warnock going actually came as a real surprise to a lot of people. Mm. Um, like Peter says, I think people thought that, because I think originally he'd only signed up to, to manage until the end of last season. Mm. And then obviously he signed a, a contract to then do this year. So I think it's it's bizarre that they all came together to say, yeah, fine, let's do another season. But then to to not really have a full commitment to that. Yeah, given um, three months of that time. It's very yeah, odd. it's very odd. So that's why I say, I think, and Steve, it's getting towards the point where you think Steve Gibson, um, you know, does he really want to still be there? I mean, he might mm. have the problem that he doesn't want to be there, but there's no one, you know, there's no natural successor coming in he wants to buy the club and at the same mm -hmm. time being a Middlesbrough fan he doesn't want to you know run them run them into the ground but at the same time he doesn't necessarily want to go for another full promotion tilt but like you say Wilder's not going to come in um unless he's he, presumably unless he's been promised you know a decent level of investment so they're another one where you can't from the outside you can't really see what they're trying to achieve mm. strategy wise there's quite mm. a few mid-table championship sides there who might just make the playoffs but you know, they're, they're not as good as the top three or four who obviously Bournemouth, Fulham and West Brom look the, the best by a distance now, you know, kind of. And they're not the bottom lot, you know, that always struggle like like to Barnsley this year and now Bobby's back down there and Derby, obviously, with their, their points loss. But, they're you know, they'll probably be mid-table, but they're not really going anywhere. Reading's yeah. another one. I think QPR, you know, there's mm. quite a few teams who might just make a tilt at the playoffs, but probably won't. Forest well, now they've got themselves out. Yeah, they're, they're all in an odd scenario right. where they can't, they, in a sense, they, they have to play it quite safely, don't they? Because they realise the championship is one of those leagues where actually it's quite easy to go down. You can have a bad season. Yeah. And, you know, there's often, so it's almost, they don't want to be so... They almost want to play it very safe so that they definitely don't go down, but they don't quite really want to reach to really go up. So it's like you yeah. say, it's almost what, what, it's not what's the point, but it's, you yeah. say they're stuck in this kind of loop of, you know, it yeah. is a risk because you've seen, and you, know, you, rely really on, you know, you make a couple of interesting signings and suddenly one of them does really well. And that's great because they then push you to the playoffs. But then as like Barnsley last year, obviously somehow managed that. And, but yeah. then they lost their manager. They lost all the like three or four of their best players as a result of it. Yeah, you know, they lost Howard. They lost Dyke. Um, you know, so you know, so and then suddenly they're back down the bottom again. You know, it's and then you look at teams like obviously Derby. You know, who are actually they, you know they've got a whole heap of problems. Who are up there for a very long time? Sheffield United, uh, Sheffield mm. Wednesday. Sorry, you know. So you yeah. can see it's easily it can easily happen. So you can see. I, mean, I think United are going to drop back into mid table now and. And, you know, kind of probably, you know, now that they've uh, lost Wilder, that's the one thing that... I've got to say, Reading are in the same boat now. They've they've been overspending. They're, they're, they're spending more than their income, which is ridiculous. They're, yeah, they're in fatalistic fiscal state at the moment. And they're pending a possible financial um, points penalty because of their finances. So... They're I thought they'd agreed to a, a, a points deduction, haven't they, or something? I've yeah, I think it's just to be finalised, yeah. yeah. So, so although they've got some promising youngsters there, um, or, yeah, there's some good things going on there. You know, it's, it's, it's such a painfully competitive division, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's fantastic yeah. to watch and everything. Fantastic is, to be in. in all, it's very cagey, mm. looking mm. at it. I, mean, I think because, see, the financial drop between the Premier League and the Championship is vast, but then the drop between the Championship and League One, comparatively... Yeah. Is massive as well. Yeah, and you've got Coventry who have been struggling, and you've got smaller clubs like Luton and Millwall who are pushing in the top half. And suddenly, oh, hang on, they could be in the 
playoffs. It all looks like a whole yeah. different picture. And you've got to get ahead of those teams that have, happen to have a good season as well if you're one of the bigger spenders. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's a real dynamic. Is the dynamics off the pitch are almost as yeah. interesting as the dynamics on it in that division. Yeah, because... I think the gap might be wide in the Premier League again now. You look like Norwich have been up down quite comprehensively both times at both mm. ends. Probably yeah, Fulham, well, Fulham, Fulham, West Brom, and Bournemouth have all been down in the last two. Come down yeah. the last two years and are comfortably the top three now. You know, if you look at the Premier League as well, you look at the teams who've really kind of pushed on from going up. Leeds obviously have Bielsa, even they're struggling second season. Wolves had a lot of money when they went struggling. up, with a lot of money still when they spent a lot of money when they carried on with the link up with Mendes. Us and Newcastle, neither of us have really kind of taken the league further. No, you know. we think, look how much money Villa have spent. Yeah, and they're done. And they're still, again. I mean, they're really struggling. Burnley, and, they, and they only did it because of Grealish, really, didn't they, yeah. last season? I mean, he and was. You've got to look at it. I mean, Burnley are probably the ones who have done it as well as anybody else. I mean, yeah. I know they're struggling this year, but they're probably the ones who have kept it on a, a fairly even keel. Hmm. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, there's no one's really gone on and thrived in having gone up for a number of, a couple of seasons rather than. You know, Leeds had a really good season last year. Villa had a good season last year. But they're both struggling again this season. You know, no one's really... Sheffield United had a great season, then went down with a terrible number of points. I think the gap between them is becoming almost like a 24-25 a team league with like, teams interchanging again. I mean, what it puts into context is how amazingly well we've done to be here mm. for the fifth season in a row. Yeah, it's absolutely. remarkable, yeah. really. Especially having well, completely changed our way of playing in that time as well. And, and yeah, no, net investment has been pretty high, but actually, you know, we were starting from a pretty low base. It's not like, you know, we had some of the other squads who have, you know, been up and down, up and down. They'd managed to keep some of their better assets. So we really had to build a Premier League squad virtually from scratch. Yeah. And going up with Newcastle, who have pretty much got a Premier League squad already, you yeah. know, kind of, they, they'd hardly sold anyone, had they, from memory? No. Uh, or two, but not many. Yeah, they had the basis of that same team. So it is does show it is yeah, it's remarkable really for all the, the quibbles we have about where we you know, about periods of the season we've done badly. The you know, the, the summaries were still still there. Yeah, and the next yeah. end, to be fair, has gone down significantly the last two seasons. Yeah. Now we've has. got that basis of the squad. The last two seasons we've not really spent obviously the first season we hardly spent anything. Not last season we hardly spent anything, and this season we've only really spent what we got for white. So you know, yeah. we've not really spent a lot of money over the last couple of years. No, you hope well, Tony got something up his sleeve. One thing that might improve is um, if you've got better atmospheres and grounds. And uh, one thing that might improve that is um, safe standing, which has uh, come to the fore. It's been yep. mooted for a while. We've got Man City, Man United, Chelsea, um, Spurs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Cardiff in the Championship are the five teams who are now going in a trial period between now and January to see how things go. Uh, they've already had the rails installed, I think, in the past, all of them. So they're, they're all good to go already. So it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Um, I think we there wasn't enough support for it in surveys when we first mooted it ourselves. Um, so that's why we're not involved. But um, I don't know if we will consider it later down the line. Um, any thoughts on that one, guys? Um, I mean, to be honest, if you're in the North Stand, basically everyone's standing the whole game anyway. Hmm. Um, it's very it's a bit of a misnomer in, in some ways <laughs> yeah. because depending on where you are and I'm sure it's the same at lots of other grounds um around the around the country that if you want there's probably there's probably an open secret that there are areas of the ground where if you want to stand for the majority of the game you would 
you know, migrate yeah. towards those particular areas of the ground. Um, yeah. Whether we'll go for it, I don't know. I can't. I'm not sure it doesn't if we will. Necessarily fit within our kind of, you know, we try to be very inclusive and we try to be. Mm. You know, and I imagine there'd be the argument from people that would say, you know, mobility wise, I can't stand for the whole game, but I want to be in that area of the ground, for mm. instance. And yeah. I can't necessarily see us going for it straight away. I mean, the irony for me is I think it would, where it's most suited is probably in the away-ends because away-ends, they'll stand on mass and yeah. they will go that bit madder when they score goals, particularly telling goals in a match. And the issue with seating, standing in seating areas is, of course, it's actually more dangerous than having rail yeah, seating. Falling in. Over. Yeah. But I, and so, I suppose the, the bit yeah. to add to that is that if you're, the example I just gave is that, you know, if you're someone who is slightly older or you've got mobility problems, you're probably less likely to go to an away game anyway well, already because you know hmm. that it's basically standing anyway hmm. which i know yeah. shouldn't be it, that shouldn't preclude people from going but that's just that is the hmm. way of, that is what the hmm. situation is and has been for you know yeah. as long as i can remember really it, one, one thing we know is it wouldn't actually increase attendances if anyone's thinking that because you'd have to have one for one in terms of the space you'd still need to have the same area yeah you're right um, it's the safety aspect, so. not falling over seats yeah. and you so know. it would actually cost more um for clubs to do it because they'd have to install the rails and obviously then other administrative costs no doubt one sort or another um so it actually it cost them more the i think it's 60 it, pounds per seat kira mcguire yeah, was saying the only thing that it would obviously it would obviously alleviate is if we have a situation like us where we book different groups who are in different seats around so you could you could naturally all stand together regardless of where you'd book seats in the ground. Theoretically, you... but I think you have to allocate, that's part of why it's one for one, because you'd have to allocate space. So it's effectively like a seat still. You'd still have to position yourself where your ticket uh, dictates. Which uh, no one's As I understand do. it. That's the thing. Will that's... they do it is the question. No, which also, they're not. And this I... might be the problem. Which happens at away identify... games as well anyway. I mean, people just it does have, it to, does, yeah. But at home games, you're like... The fact I can see Paul, Paul Barber's going to go, look, we, we need to identify any miscreants. Um, if they're misbehaving, they need to be identified. So you need to know that people are yeah, where they should the be, which obviously topic. does happen with seats. There are specific seats for a terrace. Mm. It's just, mm. not, like, I might be being too simple about it. I, I just don't see it working in terms of getting people mm. to actually stand on the bit of the terrace, effectively, where they've been allocated. Yeah. Just to quickly flash for a few other bits, by the way, um, just before we round off, um, a quick quote from Graham Potter on the managerial side of things. Um, he said that uh, on Thursday last week, he said, it feels like any job that comes up, my name seems to get thrown into it. My name must be stuck in the computers or something. I'm focused on what I'm doing here and I'm very happy here. So, you know, he's, he's made some comments about this. This is quoted from Richie Mills on uh, Twitter. Um, so, you know, that's that's good news. That he's kind of Although he's probably not going to sit there in a press conference and I'm, say, I love you about all these links. I can't wait to I get know, out I of know. here. <laughs> I know, but it's still, nonetheless, <laughs> it's nice to hear anyway. And I know if the right job came along, maybe not. Please, please <laughs> offer me a job. I want any job anywhere. <laughs> I mean, the on... one, he, he constantly keeps getting linked with England, which I think is a really bizarre mm. one because I, I, I can't see him doing it. Not at this stage, no, definitely no, not. Because he's really bizarre. Club, club footballs are much more involved, immersive experience than international, um, for sure. Because you're obviously you're going, you're you're with them all day, every every day, well, not all day, every day, but most of the week you're training with them every week, week in week out. With England, you've got them in patches, 
Uh, it's, uh, you're watching games all the time. That's not the same thing. So it, it doesn't seem like it would be an, an involved enough role do for think, a younger manager with ambition. What sort of job do you think he will leave for? The one, the um, one that really worries me in terms of a mineral ground is Leicester. If either if Rogers leaves or if they decide that Rogers has taken if Rogers, the I mean, if Rogers, he's the favourite. Well, he's one of the favourites to go to Man United. If, yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't see him getting a big um, six job yet. No, um, I mean Le- Leicester. Leicester, West Ham, Everton—that sort of thing—that's feasible. Um, I think I guess. West Ham won't won't change the manager for a while because Moyes has already no, no. been a bigger club. And I don't oh, no, really I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I'm Everton just saying might in terms be of another one, yeah, Everton. Would in be terms of size of club, though, I mean, just yeah. in general, yeah. I think Leicester uh, and Everton are probably the two obvious ones in terms of being a clear jump up from us. Would he go abroad? Too big. Would he go for a big I mean, job? He's abroad? managed abroad before, hasn't he? So I don't, there's no reason yeah. why he wouldn't. What about? I mean, not they're looking either at the moment because things have improved there at the moment. But Arsenal is that? I think that might be a, a feasible fit for him. Yeah, yeah I wonder if Arsenal yeah. fans probably wouldn't, you know, would want to be. You know, if Arteta left, would want a bigger name, I think. Maybe, but I mean, if assuming he left, that, well, let's assume that's for mm. bad reasons. You know, the fact they're not doing well, yeah. um, that would m- maybe be a step up for him and maybe for them as well. You could argue if Arteta has not been successful, they'll think, well, Potter has done mm. pretty much the same thing the as Arteta is doing at the moment. The only thing <laughs> is that we we could be a top six job ourselves. Exactly. Season. And that might help us keep him. That would be good. Um, going back to Newcastle as well, I've just got to quote this. I know you know some of the guys there, uh, Robin. We are Brighton guys. They had yeah. a quote on Twitter this week saying, um, fair play, <laughs> soaked in sarcasm this, fair play to Newcastle fans, booing Basuma, a man not yet charged with a crime, whilst waving Saudi flags around in support of a regime who tortured, suffocated, and then dismembered a journalist, uh, journalist critical of the Crown Prince. It takes a special kind of stupid. And um, that did very, very much irk me, although it wasn't particularly loud. And I don't think it was from all of the Newcastle fans, therefore, but um, who were quite vociferous in general. Um, but there was some booing of Basuma at the game on uh, Saturday. Um, and I, uh, that's my sentiments exactly, basically what they've said. Yeah, I was I saying find, it to my, to my neighbours at the time the, of the game. I find the whole thing, and this is, it can easily come, you can, the thing that Newcastle fans will say in response to any criticism that fans of other clubs make is that you're just jealous, right? That's the, yeah. that's the, the natural comeback that will come from it. But genuinely, I found the, I found the level of celebration really quite kind of just really uncomfortable yeah because you're you're there you're on the you're on the scene you've got first-hand experience of this um it's i think i said this a while when it first happened which is that if you in a sense they you should have been actually someone like mike ashley taking over the club should have been what they were celebrating the fact you've broken away from being owned by a murderous regime an alleged Hmm. say an alleged murderous regime. Um, I'm not sure you need to put alleged there. I think they are a murderous regime. Well, you, I, I UN, have, UN have sanctioned that motion, haven't they? I, don't so want, I just don't want Russell getting his qualified. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So, the, so the UN say. <laughs> the fact that, you know, in a sense, if you were looking at it in a, in a, in a sort of normal, power, you know, non, non kind of football world, you'd look at it and you go, being taken over by a British businessman you know, who's, yeah, who's a slightly dodgy character, but really in the, you know, in the in the comparison stakes, really not at all, should be something you'd be celebrating, not the other way around. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's only in football, really, that you'd be in this situation where you've got people coming out, um, you know, and 
and and celebrating this way and the other thing that i found really bizarre was that you know in the in the initial games where they were coming out you know dressed in you know kind of arab headdresses and you know other kind of cultural um symbols is that why that was seen as being almost kind of comedic yet they wouldn't turn up you know having you know blacked up essentially mm. Would they? Exactly. Exactly. It's, That's it's, the, I find it's really yeah. bizarre. So I find the whole thing really uncomfortable because in some areas, you know, the discrimination and the racism, which, you know, everyone's been fighting against with the taking of the knee and, you know, all the other gestures that have been going on. Why is something like that then seen almost comedic? I know it's been, it was condemned and, you know, the Premier League condemned it and Amnesty International condemned it and the club itself, you know, released a statement, but it was still... Um, you know, in a lot of quarters, it was still seen as almost joking. Yeah, yeah there was. A, I mean, there was a there was an athletic journalist who writes for Newcastle. He's a Geordie as well, and he was he was explaining why that reaction to, to some Saudi people who have been um, abused or were representing people abused by the regime. Um, he was explaining why they reacted the way they did, and he said, as he started explaining it, it sounded so ridiculous. This thing of oh, we got rid of a guy who who's not from the area, doesn't really care about the fans, hasn't really invested. This, that, and the other. It all just sounded so ridiculously yeah, empty when you talking to people club. who've been, you know, uh, uh, persecuted. Sorry, go on. Yeah, I was going to say, that, yeah, the irony of the whole "we've got our club back" when it's been sold to a to another country, <laughs> basically. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. couldn't. I mean, Robin's I mean, point. You spot couldn't, literally it, couldn't make it up, could you? That, it's you really know, bizarre. And the fact is that Mike Ashley was actually a, was actually a pretty good owner. Hmm. If you look at it. Purely for, I mean, their, their average position was what, 13th in the Premier League or something under him. Yeah. And you go, yeah, he didn't put a lot of money into the stadium or the infrastructure, but actually he was very prudent at the same time. You know, in the time that he's been in charge of Newcastle, you've seen clubs in the lower league literally going out of business through financial yeah. mismanagement. And clubs like Derby, who are, you know, in real problems, other championship clubs who are, you know, going along the same path. You've yeah. seen someone like that who, whilst he hasn't spent the money that Newcastle... And this is what it boils down to expectation. That's mm. what it boils down to. Whilst he hasn't spent the sums of money that they would expect, at the same time, he's been a very, very good owner financially. Yeah, I think that's true. I was going to add to what you've just said. I think those ironical points are there. Also, they were, they were bemoaning the fact they had the so-called Cockney and Dennis Wise involved with the club, but they're celebrating the demise of a Geordie manager. Who was in charge of them? I know he didn't do anything remarkable with them, but he but did again, a steady he did, job. Did a very Same good Ashley, job last year, of. and mm. when he was given very little, very little mm. spend. And actually, think of the players he brought in: some Maxima, yeah. Wilson, mm. and Almiron, and you know yeah. these players yeah, who I mean, you know are the, are the basis of their team. Really, he's a means to an end. We all very, know that, but. You know, I mean, I know it's always been a bit of a joke that Newcastle fans have got, you know, these kind of levels of expectations that are far outstrip reality. But to me, it's fair because they've not won anything, what, since the 60s or the early 70s, since the Fairs Cup. Even when you go back to the time in the late, you know, the mid to late 90s, early 2000s, where they were regularly challenging, they still didn't win anything. So really, they've not won anything for 50 years. Yeah. So why is this level of expectation there? Why is it not? You look at clubs like Forest, who in the same period have won back-to-back European Cups. Why is their level of expectation not the same? Why do Newcastle fans think that they're suddenly, they almost deserve to be on this pedestal? 
It's nonsense. Yeah. Absolute True. nonsense. Maybe Steve Cooper actually mentioned Forrest. Maybe he's another one on the radar now with um, yeah. with the Albion because he's doing a great job. They're scoring three goals on a number of occasions as well um, since he's come in and they're winning most of their matches. They've, they've turned it around, haven't they? Um, but, I would say with regards to Newcastle as well, I find it really amusing whenever they always talk about the great atmosphere and that sort of thing and the loyalty of fans because... And we said before on this, I'm going to briefly, because, yeah, we kind of mm. really want to move off Newcastle anyway. We've talked about it a lot. But they got, like, I think, 8,000 average when they were in the second division before Keegan came in. They weren't and getting also, big crowds in those days. Apparently, um, they're pretty much giving away half-season tickets for the second halves of seasons at the moment under yeah. Bruce's and then, um, they, yeah, in the Premier yeah, they, Whenever we play them, there's How not, they not be that out? great. I mean, that, never that, known the last, that good. Yeah, the nil-nil game, was it last hmm. season, where Azati had that one that was cleared off the line? Well, before, I think, five, season the, before. Season before. I mm. mean, that the atmosphere there was dreadful. And it was about... The stadium was half full. I mean, the upper tiers were really empty. So you're right, Pete. Mm. This narrative that they've suddenly... You know, they get 50,000 every week and they've got people queuing out the door, etc., etc. It, it doesn't stand up to scrutiny. Yeah. Mm. And the fact that as soon as they do badly, or they've got a bad owner in charge, or they've got a bad manager, everyone says, oh, I'm not going to go anymore. Going to it's ironic, really. The only team really who are that loyal in the northeast and are the big three are Sunderland, who yeah. still do go in big numbers in League One, and even though they've been there a few years, they're, they're the ones who actually are truly loyal. Middlesbrough yeah. and Newcastle fans are some of the most fickle in the game. Yeah, and that I'm just not having it because it's just bollock. <laughs> Fair play. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to argue with you. That's that's completely spot on, as far as I'm concerned. Um, oh, well, you're you're a better place than we are, anyway. To say so, a northeast um, correspondent. Oh, this is correspondent Robin. But I'm not. A, it's not a case of just being unfair about it. If you if you genuinely look at the facts, they go. They have not won. Like the the level of expectation doesn't match reality. It's not like you know. If in the nineties, the late nineties, early two thousands, they'd been winning titles and cup competitions, etc., and then suddenly they'd gone to what they've had recently. You could hmm. see the argument to say, you know, we deserve to be, you know, in a better position. They don't. Their biggest claim to fame is the fact that they cocked up the lead title from about 10, 10 point like, lead or whatever. Yeah. That's literally their, their biggest claim to fame. And that's why I say, you look at the, you know, you look at, say, like the Forest example of there are lots of clubs who have won big competitions in the intervening years who don't have the same complex when it comes to you know, um, being this level of expectation. They say, oh, no, we get 50,000 every week. And you go, well, actually, there are, I'm not just talking about, you know, the Albion's catchment area is probably about 1.5 million. Hmm, you know, let, me you, think of a, let me think of another team that that sounds like. Um, let's say hmm, Leeds United, for example, a team bizarre. who apparently are so enormous, but we were out doing them on attendances when we were in the championship. And they've, they've got a bigger stadium than we have, so they've got no excuse to not be able to do that. Um, and again, their expectations and their, their kind of the, the the arrogance of that team in terms of a lot of their supporters, um, and and yeah, we were getting bigger crowds than they were. Their crowds were dropping into low twenties um, when we were having twenty six, twenty seven thousand in lower mid table at one point. So yeah, it's all it, relative, isn't it? It's, it's it, misconceptions. It doesn't come, Prepare. and this doesn't come from a point of this doesn't come from a place of jealousy. It's genuinely no, looking at yeah. the no. it's looking at it's, the fact. It's just baffling, isn't it? Yeah, and just saying it doesn't mm. stack up. Like I say, Leeds at least, you know, they've won a, you know, at least it's still been 30 years since they've won a title, but at least they've yeah. won, you know, they've won something in those years. 
True. Um, yeah. But it's all perpetuated by the media, isn't it? The amount of yeah. fuss being made, both the takeover time and everything else. Yeah. I think Peter's got to go, haven't you, Peter? Yeah. Cheers, guys. Okay, we'll say goodbye to you. We, we're nearly finished, but we'll say goodbye to you now. If you can hang on just a moment, Robin. Yeah. Cheers, Peter. Thanks for joining right. us. Cheers, See you Pete. later. Cheers. And um, yeah, just saying, um, you know, it's the, the media perpetuating. It's idiots like Danny Mills that have put on, and to just it just give um, feeding frenzy to people like that to to kind of escalate these myths. Um, in the case of Leeds, and in the case of Newcastle, it's just getting all in sundry. All these different names on of people just to create this sense of a bigness. But if you just chucked on loads of Albion people all the time, if you got Murray on and Hewton on and Poet on, and also people talking about Brighton all the time, you could create a myth there as well if you wanted to. But it's just, yeah. it just seems silly. What I was going to say, just to round off really, was a bit of Albion news. Um, I don't know how much you're following any of this um, recently this week. Um, in terms of the women, another good win, a 1-0 win away at Everton at the weekend. I think they're fifth in the table. Uh, they're going really well. Fantastic for them. Um, there's a big game, I think, coming up against, I think it's Leicester next week. In yeah, the they're week. the Amex, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, the Amex, yep. So a lot of people hoping to get down for that one. We had Polly on recently, and she was great, and, and she was saying how she wants to get bigger crowds in for the uh, for the times they do go to the Amex, and in general, of course. Uh, but well done to the women again there. Um, in terms of the... Uh, I haven't actually followed what's happened with the 23s or 18s this week. I don't know if you've got any info on that, Robin. But no, not, we can, I think, no, I haven't we, really been following it. Um, no, that's fine, that's right. They've been doing well generally, haven't they? I think we are, is, is, we're actually we are fourth in the women's Super League table. Oh, fourth. Brilliant for the women, yes, yeah. Right. So we're only one place outside... So top three qualify for Europe. Yeah, and Everton are mid-table, I think, although mid-table, yeah, so it was a good, a good uh, game to win. Um, yeah, so we're a point ahead of Man United, yes. who are in fifth, <laughs> and then there's actually there's another then three-point drop to West Ham. So West Ham are in sixth with eight points, and we're in yeah. fourth with 12 points. Yeah. So there's a nice little gap opening up. Um, That's great, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah, doing very well. It's really good. And if, if the men had won their game, they would have been above Man United as well. Yeah. It's pretty aggravating. <laughs> so we're, only, we're only a point behind Tottenham, who are in third, and we're only three hmm. points behind Chelsea, who are in second. Yeah, so, yeah. which is superb. Yeah. Doing very well. So keep it up, girls. It's brilliant. It's great to see. Um, only other thing I was going to mention was in the loan watch. I noticed, I've forgotten that Ryan Longman was at Hull. He had, I saw him get a good shot away against uh, their opponents at the weekend. But um, the one to mention, really, this week, from Albion Loans is Reda Kadra, who's um, got, got his first start, or at least his first league start anyway, for Blackburn. And they got battered recently, so I think they're looking to freshen it up. He started and he scored quite a good goal as well. A bit of a jinking interplay in the um, just outside the box, cut inside, pushed it centrally and then got a shot off, which was deflected admittedly, but a goal from the edge of the area. Um, good to see him doing all right. He's going to be a good player, I think, over time. Yeah. Um, did you? I don't know if you picked up on anything else in our loan markets or anything. Whether anything else exciting? No, going not on? loan market. But I did note that uh, Max Sanders scored his first goal for Lincoln. Yeah, in the FA Cup over the the non-league side that they were playing. Yeah, uh, yeah, which is great. Good, good to see. Yeah, that's good. good. To him. He's another yeah. one. I know he left on a permanent. He was one that at one time was. Wasn't that far away from uh, from being involved? I think he might have been one. I think we almost got promoted too quickly for him. You know, if we'd have perhaps not been promoted, he might have been one that would have been more involved. I think that's a very good point. There was a little bit of a sort of like a bottleneck, wasn't there, of sorts when we got promoted because there was a number of people coming to a certain level where they would definitely have got their chance, or some of them would anyway, in the championship, and then 
of course, because we went up that extra level, it was less easy yeah. to to, to um, feel them. Through, don't they? Yeah. Think they're the yeah. kind of people. If you're in their shoes, you think is a you know is a season long loan somewhere really actually going to do me, you know, yeah. any kind of long term benefit for the club? So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, uh, I think Jen, I saw Jensen Weir scored a very good goal for Cambridge a couple of weeks ago as well. Yeah, that was, that was, I think, which was very good. Very good. Ostergaard's back, by the way. Ostergaard's playing for um, uh, Stoke now. Uh, in fact, yeah. he got a shot in, I think, at the weekend. A decent shot that was blocked. And the only um, thing, I think Simo's at Stoke, he seems to be having real injury problems. Mm, no, yeah. He's not played much. Because um, they liked him, but then he quickly got injured, and then that was that. Seema, uh, so, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. But yeah, we seem to seem to be doing all right. Yeah. Um, finally, the only other thing to mention, really, the FA Cup, we covered it um, in the run-up to the last qualifying round. And, uh, of course, we had the first round games at the weekend. Not a great deal of surprises, um, but there were one or two cracking ties. I saw the one of the grounds I've actually been to before, St Albans. St Albans City beat, uh, who were high-flying in the National South, beat Forest Green, who were flying even higher in the League Two table, two divisions above them. And um, it was a great game, actually. They came from behind to lead 2-1, pulled back to 2 all, I think it was, and then they went back ahead at 3-2. Um, so they won, and they've got a local derby with Boreham Wood in the next round. Um, so oh, a non-league affair. Yeah. yeah, it should be good. They're quite a big city. It's got, according to um, the manager who was on a, a pod I heard the other day, Ian Allenson, a former Arsenal player, uh, he's the manager. He said that they've got a city of 140,000 Resident, so it's quite a decent size for a club that far down, so to speak. Um, they've got ambitions, there's a lot of plans for growth, um, and this can't do anything but help, can it? Really, to raise the profile. And one of those two non league teams, um, local to each other, is going to get into the third round, which is great to see. Which um, will be good. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, I'm sure. I think I... yeah, right. I didn't see there weren't really many big upsets, were there? I'm just yeah. looking through the, I'm just looking well, some... through. The results. Sunderland, Sunderland lost at home to Mansfield, which is actually quite a big shock, isn't second, it? I guess the second within... successive season that they've lost in the first round to Mansfield. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, they'll be delighted with that. Yeah. I mean, you Despite... mentioned Lincoln and um, beating Bowers and Pitsy one 0 I mean, that is a pretty decent effort from Bowers and Pitsy. I know they've gone out, but they've only yeah. just got into the Ismian Prem. They're not really, one of the better sides the, the, in it. The bizarre, the bizarre tie of the round was the seven-four, wasn't there, between oh, yes. Halifax and Maidenhead, <laughs> which was really one for the neutrals. Um, absolutely, epic. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just looking through the results. <laughs> there were no real bigs, kind of. Um, uh, honourable mention to Horsham, I think, who went yep. all the way to Carlisle and only lost two-nil. I did see. Yeah. I think they took three hundred fans or so. Up, Fair play to them, I um, which yeah. you know is long is a long way. Um, which you know, even when we were in kind of League One, League Two, we wouldn't, we weren't really taking that many more than that up to yeah. Carlisle ourselves. Um, yeah, yeah. There's, there was a lot of narrow defeats for teams, so a lot, of, a lot of the teams did well but didn't quite get through, yeah, which is a bit of a I shame. Mean, just looking through Kidderminster knocked out Grimsby, but Grimsby are—it's uh, not necessarily a big, uh, a big upset these days, is it? Yeah, um, that's true. I mean, the next round is going to be interesting because the draws been made. You've got. Um, there's a, what's good is there's a few non-league teams um, involved. You've got Altrincham against Gateshead, for example. So that's that's a guaranteed team in the third round, which is quite nice. Um, and then you've got uh, actually I think that's the only one there in terms of. I that. think Gateshead Altrincham. That's a replay because they drew two all. Oh, I'm looking at the wrong. Sorry, I'm mean, I'm looking at the wrong thing. Sorry, apologies. Yeah, I thought that didn't sound right when I said it. <laughs> right, <laughs> sorry. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, you've got. Um, I think 
there's what was the games that stood out? Oh yeah, Kidderminster Halifax. That's yeah. what I was trying to think of. So yeah, that's an all non league game. Yeah. There. yeah. There's quite a few things to be settled, of course, still at the moment. Um Yeah, but... the only other team I thought was worth mentioning was Harrow Harrow Borough managed to only lose one nil at Portsmouth. Yeah, it's that's a pretty good effort. It is a very good effort. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly yeah. what what division they're in, but I'd imagine I think they are they below are they Isthmian themselves or are they National League South? Not yeah. sure, actually, but um, I'm not sure actually. I think they might be National League South. Um, the the other one was Boxton, who I think won away to another non-league team in the first round. And the first round, they've got Morecambe at home, of course, former oh, non-league be, team, but that could yeah. be a good game. Yeah, got to look forward to that one. Round, um, but yeah, it's always the early stages of the FA Cup. Are always great, aren't they? Yeah, really I love it. Yeah, all good. And that that game, Boreham Wood, St Albans, is at Boreham Wood, by the way. That's the Monday game, so I assume that's been selected for TV. Oh, yes, I think uh, it has. Yeah, I saw it. It has been selected, I think. Yeah. So I'm not this sure is... if it's BT or or BBC. I think it might probably be BT being the Monday slot. But yeah, yeah. all right, yeah. Get some exposure. But yeah. yes, Buxton beat York, just looking in the first round, yes. <laughs> Which is a good result. Yes, that's, that's right. Yeah. So hopefully we'll get Phil Annett back on, the FA Cup expert, maybe uh, either in the run-up to that game or later on when we get to the third round where the Albion will get involved. Um, but um, we'll wait and see what happens with that. Some good games, though. Looking forward to the... As you said, it was great, the early rounds of the FA Cup. Yeah. I love it. There's good coverage, lots of games on. Um, I watched loads of the games, actually, at the weekend. And it's I would really say good. you would like to find out who's got bizarre jobs amongst the part-timers <laughs> involved. Because you can guarantee that's in the commentary notes that yeah you know, we've had what we have recently we had a, last season there was a male male model wasn't there last season um, yeah one of the teams I can't remember I'm trying to think what the most bizarre one is actually but, there'll be uh, like there'll have been a taxidermist or something won't there at <laughs> some point over the years there's always there's always lots of postmen and did his team get stuffed oh nice <sighs> uh, lots of carpent there's always like carpenters and bricklayers. Electricians, builders, yeah. That's it. That's right. But it's always yeah. good. It gives us all, I was going to say it gives us all hope that we could still reach the FA Cup at some point, but I'm not so sure. Yeah. yeah. And also on the commentaries, it was good to see we, we could tick off the bingo as well. We had the magic of the cup, um, but the potential banana skin, and uh, what's the other one as well? There's, uh, there's um, well, there's Tim Foyle cups on display yeah, as well, and the romance of the cup. Yeah. They're all mentioned in one like commentary. Yeah, tough place to go. <laughs> tough place to go. I'm doing my count for that this season, by the way. We're up to 31 clubs, <laughs> a tough place to go, including Brighton. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll give you more details on that later on. <laughs> um, well, Robin, after we finish recording, if you can hang on, because I've got to ask you something. But um, as far as the yeah. episode goes, I think that pretty much sums it up. Yeah. Um, so thanks, thanks everyone for listening. Um, if you can rate and review us, please do. On Apple, hitting five stars is great as well. Check out our Film Fives podcast that I do with my mate Phil as well. We've got the latest one out on screwball comedies. If you want to check that out, um, that's Film Fives. And in the meantime. Robin, um, we're going to sign out in the usual way, so I'm going to get you to do the other half of it. When I start by saying, stand or fall. Up the Albion. Yes. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.